Well, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Uh, real quick, uh, before, uh, um, before we go any further, just let me mention real quick that uh, Answers uh, in Genesis is uh, having an uh, answering compromise uh, uh, event that's coming up uh, October 8th through 10th, but uh, Pastor uh, Vadi Bakum will be uh, at uh, Answers on the 16th of March, and so... Um, I don't know if you know anything about him, but he is a, a solid brother, uh, and so uh, something you, you may be interested in. Um, so Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Uh, when you found that place, if you're physically able to do so, I do invite you to one more time to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Here is the word of the Lord that's given to you and I this morning. Now it happened also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man who had the withered hand, Rise up and stand here in the midst. And he arose and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And when he had looked around at them, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with madness and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, this is indeed your word. We thank you for it. We ask now your blessings upon it. Pray that you would give us and grant us wisdom and understanding in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So... What do you do when someone steps on your foot? Um, You generally say, ouch, right? Or your toes, or if someone sets something down upon your toes, you generally say the word, ouch, right? It's not a comfortable experience. It is not something that you go around looking forward to. You stub your toe, and again, it's not something that's that's uh, polite or is, is great, but you, we, we can maybe understand someone uh, stubbing our toe versus someone who steps on our foot, but it is the epitome of classlessness for someone to walk around and step on our foot on purpose or step on our toes on purpose, right? I don't think anybody would want to be around someone who purposely goes around stepping on my toes or your toes. So why do I bring this up? Well, I bring this up because in our passage before us this day, that is exactly what Jesus does. And not only here, but in times previously, we have found where Jesus has, in fact, went around stepping on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the priests' toes. And he does so on purpose. He does so with willing intent, to which we might say as Americans, well, that doesn't seem very nice, does it? Well, Jesus isn't caring about nice Jesus wants the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests and the religious leaders and as well as the people themselves to understand what it is that God requires, what it is that, that he requires of us. Uh, this, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, Jesus could have just not worried about any of this. He could have healed the man in a non-public way, right? And I think many of the evangelicals today would say, well, you know, Jesus could have just taken the man to the side. He could have healed him. He could have still been on the Sabbath, but he didn't really have to worry about uh, being, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
hurting the feelings of the Pharisees. But see, the problem is Jesus didn't care about hurting the feelings of the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, Jesus knew what was in their hearts, didn't he? So, so much so that in our passage here this morning, we see what the Pharisees did. I don't know if you noticed it, but here in, uh, in, the, in our passage, uh, what is it that we find the scribes and Pharisees doing? Well, in verse 7, you see exactly what they did, that they watched him. Now, we would say, well, okay, well, you know, don't we most often watch people, right, when we look at them or we're listening to them? Well, yes, but that's not the meaning here. The meaning here means with evil intention. And, and I think we see that here in just a few, uh, in these verses, that they did, they watched him for a particular purpose. What was the purpose? The purpose was to catch him doing something they didn't like, to catch him doing something they didn't agree with, to catch, them doing, to catch him doing something that went against their tradition. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't do this at any old time. He did the, the, Luke records for us in, the previous, in, in this encounter, in the previous encounter, where Jesus did this openly on the Sabbath. Again, remember the Sabbath ran from, uh, from sundown to sundown. So Friday evening at sundown until, or what we would deem Friday evening at sundown until Saturday evening at sundown. And Jesus could have done it any other time. He could have chosen to do it any other time, but he doesn't. Now, is Jesus doing this just to poke the Pharisees in the eye? Well, I guess you could say that in one sense, yes. He most certainly wanted them to understand that their rules and regulations that they had established and set up was not God's law was not the heart and the spirit of the law that God had given when he said, you will honor the Sabbath. You are to honor the Sabbath, right? In the, in the Ten Commandments, we even find, you know, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We find that Israel didn't do that quite so well. And so we find the reality of Jesus stomping on toes. And so we see here, um, some reasons why Jesus stomps on our toes in our text. And I want to show you some reasons Jesus will stomp on not just the Pharisees' toes, but even on our toes. And then ultimately we'll end with how do we respond when Jesus stomps on our toes. So let me show you the first way that, or first reason why Jesus ends up stomping on toes. The first way is that Jesus will stomp on our toes when we have a critical spirit. When we have a critical spirit, what do I mean by that? Well, again, look back to what the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests and the religious leaders and rulers were doing. They watched Jesus, and isn't this the epitome of, of, a, of a heart that is captivated by, by, by hypocrisy and hatred of, 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 of God's true word, right? Um, they knew Jesus had the power to heal. They had seen him do it. They had seen him do it over and over and over again. And yet, what is it that they're doing? They're watching him to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath and break their rules and traditions and their laws. Not God's law, not God's, uh, not God's word, but their own rules, their own traditions and so, the, listen, Christian, even for us, I think this has a lot to say, that the attitude that you approach Jesus with makes all the difference in the world. The way that you approach Jesus, even this morning, makes all the difference in the world for us. 
how you come to him, whether you come uh, this morning with an attitude of humility and willing to hear him, willing to receive from his word, willing to be open and accepting of the word that God has given us, or if we come like the scribes and the Pharisees who, who want to see whether or not we could catch somebody doing something that we just don't quite like. Because I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a horrible admission for you. We're all going to mess up, including me. And you're all, we all are going to find things that we could criticize and gripe and complain about and not like. We can all find things about one another that we just don't quite, that doesn't quite mesh with what we think we should be like or what we think. And so we come and we find fault. But listen, the scribes and the Pharisees came to find fault with God's Messiah They came to find fault with God's messenger. They came to find fault with the one whom God had sent. They came to find fault ultimately with Jesus. And believer, whether or not we know it or not, we can in fact find fault with Jesus by constantly being critical by constantly being critical and criticizing and constantly... Now, I'm not saying... Listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be Bereans and we shouldn't be careful and discerning. But that's different than being critical of spirit where you find constantly, there's always something that I don't like. It's 80 degrees and it's a beautiful day. Yeah, well, it's just a little... The sun's a little too bright this morning. Right? Or it's, it's nice 70 degrees and the wind is cool and it's a beautiful day. Well, you know what? I, I, just, I just don't think that, that, that so-and-so should be doing such and such. Or I, I, wish that, I wish that the grass was another inch and a half shorter. Or I wish this or I wish that. And it's constantly griping, complaining, bickering, criticizing about anything and everything you could possibly want or feel like or think of well guess what Jesus says that if that's your heart then you should expect that your toes are going to get stomped on by the word of God but here's another reason just like the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the religious leaders and the priests there's another reason why Jesus says we should expect and when we should expect to get our toes stomped on and we should expect that we should get our toes stomped on to expose our own hypocrisy now here's the thing everybody runs around saying you know, oh, I can't stand hypocrites. I can't stand hypocrites. But at the very heart of who we are, do we not act hypocritically at times? I mean, we all are hypocrites if we we're honest with ourselves. But these guys were purposefully hypocritical in every sense of the word. And Jesus will stomp on our toes to expose our hypocrisy because Jesus wants us to see our hearts the way he sees them. People run around saying, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart because your heart is desperately wicked according to the testimony of God's word. However, even the Christian at times, we can deceive ourselves and think, well, you know, I'm all right. Everything's okay. Like, yeah, you know, I complain and criticize and gripe and complain about this, that, and the other. And I, 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 can, find, uh, I can find anything and everything to complain about. But Jesus says at the end of the day, we need to see our hearts the way he sees us. See our hearts the way he sees our hearts. And in this event, Jesus shows this crowd that their attitudes and their hearts and their minds are not aligned with the teaching of God's word. I think it was Matthew Henry 
who, uh, who said that uh, those who would be cured by the grace of Christ must be willing to learn the doctrine of Christ. And I would to that say amen. That if we truly are going to learn the, the grace of Christ and receive from the grace of Christ, we must be willing to learn of the doctrine of Christ. And Jesus wants the crowd and the, the, the Pharisees and all the religious leaders and rulers to understand that their attitudes and their hearts and their minds were ultimately not aligned with God's teaching. They were not aligned with God's word. Instead, what was it that they wanted to do? We'll go back to verse 7. They watched him, right, for what reason? That they might find an accusation against him. They knew who Jesus claimed to be. They had watched him heal, and their response was not, praise God, he has finally sent the Messiah to us to save us from our sins. It was, this guy is not what we were expecting. This guy is not who we want. This is not the type of Messiah that we want. And so God sent them a Messiah that they didn't approve of, so that they could ultimately make an accusation against him. And it's funny because here we see Jesus not working according to plans or expectations or even programs. And Jesus is like that, isn't it? Isn't he? He never works according to my plan or my program or my thinking. After all, Isaiah tells us, uh, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, that my ways are not like your ways, that my, high, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are not in accordance with your thoughts or your thinking. And by healing this man... And what is it that Jesus does? He calls this man, right? He calls him to stand in their very midst. Now, we are told in other places in the other Gospels, in the, the other synoptic Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, give it a little more detail. And Jesus asks this question. And, 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 and the, the other Gospel writers add just a little bit of information to us. That Jesus asks this question, and then it says he became angry because of the hardness of their hearts. Jesus becomes angry because their hearts were so hardened and their hearts were so hard against, against the, the very law of God they claimed to be upholding and against the very word of God that they claimed to believe that they could not see that the God of the universe was, was before them and would refuse to accept his teaching and his word, that they would rather see a man not healed to follow their own traditions because they cared ultimately more about their traditions than they did about God's mercy upon sinners and God's grace upon those in need. They cared more about upholding their traditions than they ever did about God's grace finding one man with a withered hand in need of healing. And by healing this man in front of them, Jesus demonstrated his power and authority. And he did not care in the least about their opinions. And this is the amazing thing as you, as you, as you look at Jesus and as you, you, you watch Jesus' ministry and you hear God uh, throughout Old Testament and New Testament, uh, the, 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 our triune and sovereign God, listen, he doesn't lead like a lot of pastors today, like a lot of politicians today, like a lot of leaders today. He doesn't, God never takes a pole or sticks his finger in the air and say, well, which way is the opinions going and shifting and moving? And then based on that, I'll make a decision about what's best for my people. 
God never does that. And God forbid that pastors ever do that. That we, like politicians, stick our finger to the wind and say, hmm, which way is the wind blowing that we may follow that way? May we always say, no, thus says the Lord, and follow that way, and be faithful to the Lord's way. And so thirdly, Jesus, we find in our text, Jesus stomps on our toes to get our attention. What do I mean by that? Well, this incident really does serve as a reminder of the intentions and attitude, that, the, that our intentions and attitudes matter more than outward appearances. Because, I mean, think about the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the, the priests and the religious leaders. I mean, they looked the part. They looked like followers of God. They looked like the followers of Yahweh, of Jehovah, of the God of Israel. They looked like them. They talked like one. But to get to the heart of it all, their hearts were far, just like their fathers before them. Their hearts were far, far from the God of Israel. And God, God stomps on our toes at times to get to our attention, to remind us that our intentions and the attitudes of our, our hearts matter far more than the outward expressions and appearances of the way we dress or the way we look or any other part of appearance. I have known many, many, many men. I'll give you an example. My, one of my grandfathers would go to church every Sunday. He would dress up in a suit and a tie and he would shout amen and he would sometimes preach the gospel. But behind closed doors, he was a monster of a man. He was an evil man doing unseemly evil things. But he looked the part. We can look the part. We can look the part. But Jesus says he doesn't care about us looking the part. He wants us to act the part. He wants us to live as accordance with Scripture. As Jesus, as, as the Lord said to the prophet Samuel, I don't care what he looks like on the outside. What I care about is his heart. And this is why he chose David, a man after God's own heart, who would in the end sin horribly and wickedly but restored by God's grace. Why? Because his heart was always in a heart of repentance to care about the things of God. Christian, do you care more about appearances and the way that you look, or do you actually care about the way God sees your heart? Perhaps put another way, maybe the question I could ask is, are you simply acting the part, or are you actually following God's word and so Jesus stomps on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even the, 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 the others the, the non-leaders of Israel to get their attention that outward appearances is not what he's after 
Now, we'll, we'll, and I want to be clear about this, will holiness follow, and, and, and will we be holy and, and dress holy? Sure. But that's ultimately not the point of what Jesus cares about. It further reminds us, though, that true faith requires humility and grace and a, a response to the grace of God, not, not outwardly trying to conform to some standard. I think a, a further question could be asked this. Was this man a plant? Was this man a plant? Now, what do you mean? Well, I, I mean, was, was he, was he, was he an, an informant? Was he placed there by the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and all of these? Was he really there, planted by them to try to, try to get Jesus, force Jesus' hand? Well, I, some of the commentators do, a lot of commentators do think that that's a possibility, Although, let me say this, I think God's word actually does expressly hint at this in Matthew 12, 10. Um, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 12, listen, listen, to, this, listen to this account in, from Matthew's perspective. In, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 12, 10, listen, listen to what it says. <clears throat> and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? I think it is possible that just like with Jesus and the, the woman caught in adultery, right? She was a, they, they had planned that and had caught her, not the man, right? Both were supposed to, according to Old Testament law, to be stoned. And, and like that, I, I, I do think that there's a strong possibility that the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had planted this man to try to trap Jesus. But, but whether or not it was a, whether or not it was, that is the case or the reality I would say that, again, what matters is the heart. Their hearts were far from God. They were just like their fathers before them, just like the Old Testament fathers before them. There's another way in when Jesus will stomp on our toes, when you and I exalt tradition above God's word, when we exalt tradition above God's word. The rabbinic laws taught, listen to this, the rabbinic laws taught that the only medical procedures that could be done on the Sabbath was when a baby boy had been born and eight days later he had to be circumcised. That's the only medical procedure according to rabbinic laws, according to the Talmud and other rabbinical teachings and traditions, that, that the only medical procedure that could have ever been, that could ever happen. They taught actively that if you needed some sort of a medicine or something else, it didn't matter how bad it was, that you could wait until after the Sabbath and then be treated. That was their rabbinic laws. That's what they taught. And because these Jewish leaders were following their traditions above Scripture, they approached Jesus with a critical heart and a critical spirit saying, Are you going to heal him, Jesus? Are we going to catch you? Are we going to get you? Are we going to catch you in what, in what is, is happening and what we think is wrong and what we think you're doing is wrong? They were looking for a reason to find fault with Jesus. And yet it says that Jesus knew their hearts, and yet he allowed them to test him. Why? To stomp their toes. You see, the, a significant factor in determining whether you will leave the church with a joyful and full heart, or with a heart that is empty this morning and bitter, 
is how you come through those doors. How you come through those doors. Will you come through the door grumbling and griping, complaining, or complaining because the pastor added something else that's new or took away something else or did this or did that or because somebody's sitting in my seat? Or do you come with a heart joyful this morning saying, I get to worship Jesus with my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. I get to worship Jesus with those that love Jesus too. I get to come and worship and I get to be a part of the gathering of a local assembly. Because I can honestly tell you, if you hang around me long enough, you're going to find quite a bit to criticize. I had a, there's a, there's a deacon whom I love and he died, he died of cancer several years ago. Um, was, a, was a man of God who loved the Lord and uh, he would always say, he would always say to me, Pastor, uh, I'm just going to tell you, if you hang around me long enough, you're going to find things that you don't like about me. Uh, and he said, honestly, he said, Pastor, if I hang you around you long enough, I'm going to find things I don't like about you. But he said, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that we can honestly not like things about one another, but we're brothers in Christ. And we get to joyfully hold hands together on Sunday morning and worship because we all fail and fall, brothers and sisters. We all fail, we all fall. But do I come through that in the morning? Do I come through or in the afternoon or the evening? Do I come through there, those doors, ready to criticize, ready to find fault, ready to be angry and complain about something because... Really, it's not really what's going on here. It's what's going on in my life. And so I'm angry about everything else in my life. So I come through here to just complain because it's the only place that anybody will ever listen to me complain. Or do I come expectantly, worshipfully, Lord Jesus, I get to worship with brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. Because if you come with a heart that is full or that, that is, even if you come critically and say, you know what, I am, I'm not having a good day today, but I am ready, Lord, for you to transform my heart and change my heart so that I walk away joyfully rejoicing in the work of Christ upon the cross, God will be glorified in doing that work in your heart. And so you determine, not the pastor, not the deacons, not somebody else, how you leave this morning. Will you walk out of here critical and angry and complaining about something because something else wasn't quite to your liking? Brother Calvin didn't pick out a song that you wished he would have picked out differently or whatever. Or the pastor said this or the pastor said that or whatever the case may be. Or do you walk out with joy in your hearts, screaming at the top of your lungs, I am redeemed by the blood of Christ. Fifthly, Jesus will stomp on your toes when you have an unteachable spirit. When you have an unteachable spirit. Jesus was the greatest teacher to have ever explained the scriptures. And what do we find the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all these people doing? They're complaining about Jesus' teaching. Jesus was the greatest and is the greatest teacher to have ever existed and to live. And yet, we have the scribes and the Pharisees saying... But it's not so great to me. It's not so great to me. 
These men who diligently studied the scriptures, memorized them from a young age, and professed to love God, had absolutely nothing good to say about Jesus. Had nothing. If you were to ask them as they were out of their way on the synagogue, you know, some, some, in some churches, not ours, but in some local assemblies, you know, the pastor stands at the back and shakes everybody's hand. They're like, oh, you know, good job, preacher, good job, preacher. Um, well, if, if that had been Jesus on this morning, they would have escaped by the side door, grumbling and complaining as they went. Not so great to me. These men who should have known, these men who should have worshipped, these men who should have been amazed that God was bringing forth his eternal plan through his son, Jesus Christ, if you were to ask them, What did you get from Jesus' sermon this morning? They would have said absolutely nothing. And I will say this, believer, one sign of a real conversion is having an open heart. It's having an open heart that can be changed. Because when we become proud and we think, oh, I know it all, we're in danger of being exposed that we really know nothing at all. I think Calvin, John Calvin, in his testimony and his commentary about God's grace at work in our lives and through his commentary in the Psalms, I like what he had to say here. He talks about how he, how he pursued uh, his training at first. His father was a devout Catholic. He was a devout Catholic in France. His father was determined he would become a priest. And so at first he, he, as an obedient son, really sought this out. And then his father at some point changed his mind and sent uh, Calvin to, uh, to be a lawyer. And Calvin uh, devoted himself to that because he was, again, an obedient son. But Calvin talks about God's grace coming to him and, in, and, and in capturing him. And listen to what Calvin said. He talks about first about the secret guidance of God's providence how it gave him a different direction to his life. And he describes it in this manner. First, since I was too obstinately devoted to the superstitions of popery to be easily extricated from so profound an abyss of mire, God, by a sudden conversion, subdued and brought my mind to a teachable frame which was more hardened in such matters than might have been expected from one at my early period of life. Calvin talks about how God, through a surprising work of providential grace and sovereign grace, saved him and trained and taught him and changed him, bringing him out of the, the capturing, uh, the capturing uh, dogma of religion to the grace of God in Christ as taught through the scriptures. And I think the key thing for us in our conversion and to keep in mind is that we must be subdued by God's word and taught by God's word. Because what happens when God does his sovereign work in our grace, of grace in our hearts? You recognize, I recognize, we recognize false assumptions. We recognize false interpretations or false teachings perhaps that we've been taught. And we come to recognize God's work of grace. And so Jesus confronts the Pharisees with the lunacy of their logic. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, look with me here in verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or destroy it? Why in the world does Jesus add that second phrase to each one of those questions? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Why? 
because Jesus knew their hearts and Jesus knew that they were criticizing him for healing a man with a hand that was withered and yet on the Sabbath they were plotting to kill him. Lunacy, absolute lunacy. Jesus is approaching them with their own lunacy and their own idiotic illogic. And so what Jesus was saying is to them is, hey, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or destroy? In other words, hey, so what you're telling me is it's not okay for me to heal a man and restore his ability to provide for himself, but it's okay for you to plot to kill me on the Sabbath day. And so if we have an unteachable spirit, Jesus and his word is going to stomp. We'll stomp on our toes. We'll stomp on your toes and my toes. And so we need, instead of resisting God's grace, to humble ourselves before God. Lastly, quickly, Jesus will stomp on our toes when you make your faith all about you. And this is what the Pharisees had done. So what should we do? What should we do when Jesus stomps on your toes? How should you and I respond? How do we respond? Let me give you a couple of different ways, I think. One, when Jesus stomps on your toes, we need to be open to understanding the word. We need to be open to understanding the word. Because Jesus challenged the prevailing religious understanding of his time. And instead... He showed them what the scriptures actually taught. He said, look, you think it's this, but this is the way it actually is. You have a false interpretation and a faulty understanding of what the word actually says. So we need to be open to receiving correction from God's word, about God's word. Right? We, we, we all, I think, would agree. Scripture is our final and ultimate rule of faith in life and teaches us to walk in godliness. And so we need to be open to being taught and shown from the word how what we may have believed is not right at all. We may be misinterpreting a passage of scripture. Listen, I wasn't raised with the doctrines of grace. I'll tell you that I wasn't. I was raised to vehemently oppose them when I actually found out what they were. The school the Bible college I graduated from absolutely hated it, called them, called them heresies and all sorts of foolish things. And it wasn't until I began searching and reading the scriptures for myself and began examining myself what the doctrines of grace taught that I realized this ain't heresy at all. This is truth. This is Bible truth. So we need to be open to understanding the word of God when we've misunderstood it. Second of all, we need to seek humility. In the face of Jesus' teachings and actions, the appropriate response for you and I is humbleness. Not entrenching ourselves like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the priests did. Another, another response is to, is to reflect reflect and think and ponder God's word in our hearts and in with our minds. Ultimately, if we believe something or don't believe something, let it be because God's word has told us not to or to believe something. Let the word of God be our ultimate and final guide. The scripture is our ultimate and final authority. 
And so we need to be, we need to read the word, contemplate on the word, memorize the word. We need to think about these things. And we need to be careful not to allow ourselves to fall into legalistic tendencies. Now listen, holiness is not legalism. I want to be clear about that. So when someone says, listen, we should think holy, speak holy, dress in holy manners and things like that, we should certainly not allow those things to take over, right? We should certainly not allow those things to become the point of it all. But but insisting on holiness is, is not legalism. But we have to be careful to walk the tension of that line. Remember Jeff from last week? Remember Jeff? He doesn't actually exist, but I made him up, right? But you remember Jeff. Jeff came in off the street after work pulling a 12 out of the factory, smelling of sweat in the factory and dirt under his fingernails and all this. We should be willing to embrace Jeff. All the Jeffs and the Jennies. And anybody else that's out there who we may not think are followers of Christ, but like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the priests may end up finding out that they're actually the ones following Jesus and I'm not. Do I dress the part, act the part, speak the part, think the part, or I think I think the part? We need to avoid We need to avoid acting. Let me say it this way. We need to act with integrity then. So that our actions reflect Jesus' teachings. And consistently apply them to our lives. So if we insist on holiness, let it be because God's word insists on holiness. Let us not think up or find ways that we think please God. And rather let God's word tell us what God's word pleases God. Listen, I, I... we have to be careful that we don't add to, the, to, to what God's word says. You know, we can criticize all other kinds of denominations and all kinds of other people, but, but we become just like them if we're not careful and we start adding our own traditions above God's word. And so let scripture be our guide. Let scripture guide our hearts and our minds and our thinking. And I would say ultimately, I would end with this, let us pray. Pray vehemently with, for insight and wisdom as we seek God's, God's, what God's word has to say about certain things. Let us seek with great wisdom and insight and pray for these things. That we could discern what Jesus means by these things. Certainly never, never giving way to the spirit of the age. Right? That's, that's not what I mean here. I mean truly, honestly following Jesus because this is what he has told us to do and how he's told us to walk. Because we love Christ, let us keep his commandments. But let us not go beyond the commandments. Let us not go beyond the commandments of the Lord. Let us stay firmly in line with the commandments of the Lord and not go beyond it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the work of Christ upon the cross it's not, it's not because of good things that we've done or right things we've believed, but it's only because of Christ and the work of Christ on the cross that we're able to rejoice and to sing and we're able to, to gather together to hear the word. So, Lord, may you stomp on my toes. May you stomp on our toes where we need to have our toes stomped on. And may you correct our hearts and minds so that we can follow 
in accordance with your word and not in accordance to tradition, but in accordance with the word. And may our traditions come from the word. May our traditions be guided by the word. May everything we do and say be because we love Christ and follow Christ. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.